Hey everyone, before we begin today's podcast, I wanted to share with you a code I got from Audible. If you're an Audible member, every once in a while they throw you some free stuff. This one, uh, they're giving away a code that gives you two months of Audible for free. So if you don't have Audible and you want to give it a shot and listen to the books that we read, go ahead and use this code here, NNQT-EAZ23X-7 s 4 ea 2 and then that'll give you two free months of audible if you already have audible ask your friends or family and maybe your spouse or girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever and share one of the books that you like anyway again that code is nnqt eaz 23 x 7 s 4 ea 2 it's kind of first come first serve here so whoever gets it first gets the two months and if you do it, I get a credit so I can get a book too. So that it kind of works out. Anyway, let's, uh, let's get to the episode. Welcome back to Random Book Club Podcast, where we dive deep into the books that you read. Today, I'm with Justin Mason, and I'm Dan Van. How's it going, Justin? Hey, Dan, it's awesome to be here. Um, you know, I really liked Chapter 10. Yes. And... We were kind of having a little off-the-cuff discussion right before we started. There's, I mean, Chapter 10 is such a fun chapter. I didn't realize that I read like 8 or 10 or 12 or however many pages it is. It was it was so darn good. Yeah, I wasn't sure how long it was going to be because I didn't have a whole lot written down for it. It's pretty straightforward. They're very fast-paced chapters, 10 and 11. Yes. Um, and it's exciting. You just keep reading because it is now like it had the world has been established – and then you basically get it flipped up on its head here. Mm-hmm. And it's yep. like, oh, this is a fantasy freaking story here. Yeah. Let's uh, do it. Let's jump right in. Here we go. Chapter 10, White Lies, question mark. Ooh. Yeah. F- oh, yeah. There's a question mark. Yeah. I didn't even notice that mm. when I was reading. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Maybe we should go back at the end and, and discuss the chapter titles to see if they're relevant. So. Sure. The first thing that Oliver and Luthia noticed when they exited Brindamore's new magical tunnel was that the cave they had entered was uncomfortably warm, and it was huge. Luthien's torch reflected off the off one wall only, the one they had exited, and the two could barely see the crystalline glimmer of the sharp-tipped, long stalactites hanging ominously far above their heads. That's the opening paragraph. So it's a great opening paragraph. And for a really astute reader or even a fantasy writer like myself, I hear um, I hear uncomfortably warm or yes. unusually warm. I think two things. I think deep underground. Yep. Like, like lava possibly, pits and stuff. Lava pits, you know, volcano, five sentinels. Or I think dragon. There be dragons, yeah. There be dragons, and they're not sure yet. You know, they just say it's warm, and um, there's something that I needed to to, um, uh, point out. They talked about long stalactites, and that's in reference to stalactites and stalagmites, which Bob does write about both in this chapter. And when I was reading his books, the his books were the first books I ever read in fantasy, uh, the Icewind Dale trilogy, and there's a bunch of stalactites and stalagmites in that because there's a lot of underground activity and whatever from the dwarves sure. and the um the drow. drow elves so i just want to pull up an image that i found on the internet that describes the difference between a stalactite and a stalagmite and this is actually the exact image i found back in eighth grade 
when no. I was looking it up. Yes, it's the exact because it's like a crosshatch uh, illustration of it shows uh, stalagmites on the ground and stalactites on the on the top. And uh, I I just wanted to point out um, the way that I remembered it. The way that I could remember, if someone's writing about a stalactite or stalagmite, in this in this uh, particular book, it seems like Bob has written about it before and saw where some of the confusion came from, from some of the readers, if they didn't look up words and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he writes about both of them and talks about how the stalactite comes from the ceiling and the stalagmites from coming up from the ground so you can immediately you can immediately understand that from the get-go but in his other books he didn't do that he just said there are stalactites so this is how i memorize it for all you guys that are were in the same level as me stalactite has a t in it t for top it's on the top of the ceiling stalagmite has an m in it m for mound as in off the ground so that's how I remember that stuff, guys, because yeah. I, I need that in my life. What up, what up, cuz? Nice. Oliver and Luthien thought that Brindamore was abandoning them as they watched the portal shrink. Oliver reasoned that the wizard was only protecting his cave from any wandering Cyclopeans that might make their way through the portal while they were off in the cave. Because remember, this is the cave that was uh, sealed, sealed off, off with the yeah. Cyclopean king and his horde. Luthien believed it was to make sure that they got the staff before returning. So he's really not trusting this wizard. And then they start walk. Uh, okay, so whatever. Luthien mentally notes how odd the cave seemed. He'd seen caves before over in Dunvarna and obviously the wizard's cave. He hasn't seen many of them, but he see it seemed odd to him. The walls being copper in color and rough, but darker hues of copper were intertwined into the rock as if melted, suggesting a very large amount of heat had been present at some point. So now we're getting back into Dragon's Dead. Dragon. Are we going to want to see some Dragon's Dead? Dragon? Dragon? No, I just say one thing? So this whole setup is really good writing in how it basically makes you say something's coming. Yeah. And you're not sure if you can trust Brenda Moore. That that that's one thing we're sure on at this point. Like we're sure we can't. We're sure that we're not sure if we can trust him. Right. But why lies? That, yeah. Yeah. Not only that, but I was immediately wondering, okay, who put his staff there? And why can't he get it on his own? Yep. Because you know, we see coming up that he's not as weak as he seems. But what what would cause somebody to put his staff there? Was he was somebody trying to protect the world from him? Was he involved in something? You know, it immediately has me asking these questions, thinking, man, I really don't trust this guy. Yeah. And I, I'm wondering the same thing, too. And I'd love to discuss that after we finish the chapter of, or after we get to the point where uh, if we can get through chapter 11, I'd love to discuss why was the staff there? And I have some thoughts on what I think it is. Um, and we might get into a little bit of that later, but that's a good question. And guys, think about that as, as we're going on through this chapter. Hi. As they ventured deeper, descending on a slope through a long corridor and into another chamber, the air around them was becoming warmer as they reached the banks of an underground pool. So it's even warmer. It's getting swelty, sweltering, you know, they get to an underground pool, which is really cool. The water was hot to Luthien's touch steam rising from the pool across. It was a hundred feet. Uh, what well, 100 feet lay another bank with the entrance to another chamber. 
The only obvious way around was a narrow ledge that ran along, ran along one side of the chamber above the water. Wasn't there a room before that? Too, yeah, there was. Well, like, there was a corridor and it was sloping yeah, and, down, descending down. And they kind of slid down like, you know, for the kids, you know, in every kid movie, yeah. there's always like a, a scene where we got to slide down something. So they did that. They did it for the kids. Yeah, yeah. And then they get into another corridor or they get into another chamber, and then that chamber leads to a small entrance that goes into the underground lake. But in the other chamber, in the chamber that they get to before the lake, yep, isn't there a bunch of dead bodies, like skeletons and stuff? Oh, yes, yeah, yes. I thought so. Okay, okay, uh, I, I missed that. Here we go. Yeah, that was the the. Um, it was so, right before that room. Yeah, Luthien mentally notes how odd the cave seemed. The walls being copper and color rough. Blah blah blah. If it's melted, okay, knowing that the wizard would watch their progress through his crystal ball, the pair moved deeper into the strange cave, lighting the way with a torch. Their suspicions only heightened as they came across a line of broken rock mounds and skeletal remains of what seemed to be recently deceased humans. It was now clear that the wizard was lying. Oof. So that's so I, I skipped over that paragraph. But yeah, basically it was like, oh yeah. And these these remains, these skeletal remains, it was white bones, but they were um, there was so where some of them were buried a little bit more. There were still like tendons and stuff attached. And yeah. it's like, how can this completely be stripped away? I'm thinking maybe these Cyclopeans are hungry, dude. Maybe there's a beast in here that's picking away at these bones until it gets to just the bones. Or could it be a, could it be a dragon breath? Could it could be, be a, could it be a dragon breath? Could it, we don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, no, it's probably not. Dragon. I mean, they just I went think. to a, a lake. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. There's yeah. No come on. Safe, totally safe. Oliver wasn't keen on the uh, keen on the ledge idea and produced a long, thin rope and a three-pointed grappling hook from his pack. The ceiling of the chamber wasn't high, and Oliver's first attempt landed the grappling hook in the water with a resounding kathunk, pulling the I line back in. <laughs> kathunk, you could just hear it. You know, been there, done it, dude. Yeah, been every time you there. drop uh, your anchor when you're getting to your favorite yeah. fishing spot, when you yeah. head up to Luthien's yeah. Way, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Pulling the line back. The line snagged on something and then started to pull violently. Overpowering Oliver's pull, the line nearly gave the halfling rope burn as he let go and started freaking out at Luthien to do something. At a loss of what he could do, Luthien just observed and Oliver scrambled quickly to the uncoiling rope when with 100 feet left in the line, the rope went slack. Big fish in this pond, said Oliver. <laughs> I didn't. Here's the thing. I didn't see... I didn't foresee what was coming out of this pond, like when it's revealed, yeah. but I knew something was in there. Yeah, it and was cool. It was, it's such a, it, I'm going to use the word cliche, but not in disrespect to Bob. It's such a cliche to have there be a pond with something in it and you just don't know what it is. And there's like that, what is it? It's got my grappling hook. It's pulling. I can't stop it. I can't stop it. And then it just goes dead. Well, that's what I love is like, okay, it's, oh, it's so really tight. And boom, here comes a big like fish with a bunch of jagged teeth and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you yeah. usually see. But what I like is the suspense of it's going, it's going. Oliver's freaking out. He almost got rope burn. He's like, Luthien, do something. Luthien's like, what can I do, dude? Bro, and What do you want from me? And then <laughs> Oliver's like, screw you, dude. He goes to jump for the rope, and then it just kind of goes slack. And he's like, okay. Yeah. So now you're like, there is something in here. Love Will it, we dude. see it? Anyway. Luthien find was in the next episode. <laughs> Luthien was able to retrieve the line and hook without issue. And nice. when he pulled it out, it had uh, green and red seaweed and on it. Yeah. 
For which sure. was cool. Seaweed in the cave lake. And he set the grappling hook onto the ceiling above the ledge. While crossing the lake, uh, while, cro- while crossing, the lake started displacing massive amounts of water to reveal a gigantic turtle. There was like spurts of like 12 foot high water and then this box turtle comes out so cool and actually remind me i have a point when we get later in this chat uh i think it's the next chapter when the two two okay where yes in the next chapter but but just just remind me i have a point i want to make about about some about some uh, japanese mythology so that's wonderful okay Uh, i'm excited i just imagine this big box turtle coming out colors on its shell with like moss growing on it and stuff like that it it probably didn't get the hook probably didn't get tangled in like the turtle it probably got tangled on like a tuft of like yeah. sediment or or moss. on top of a big on top of yeah. like a huge like square plate of shell. Yeah, that would have been a nice little touch of like a noticeable chunk of of turf was off of the shell of or like the, a scratch across yeah. the shell. Ooh, we'd have been pissed cuz So, um it attacked the pair and it almost it almost got Oliver as Luthien grabbed the rope and the hat. So they're they're just going like this across the side like, on the little ledge. He doesn't <laughs> like it, but he's doing it. And then the turtle comes up and tries to attack him. Luthien grabs Oliver and then jumps off the edge so of the wall. Jones. It's cool. They uh, okay, so they dropped into the lake near the banks of the other side of the lake. The turtle opened its massive maw and breathed out a line of steam. And then uh, that makes sense why there's all that steam there. And it also makes us think, oh, he's like a hot turtle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's okay. like Torterra. It's yeah. like Torterra or, or charcoal from, yeah. or whatever, Torcoal or whatever. Yep. Pokemon. And it's like, uh, okay, the steam, then you're thinking back, okay, does steam cause all that heat? Maybe. And maybe that steam is what maybe it melted the flesh off right. the uh, other people. Right. And and that's why they're completely white, you know, just completely steam cleaned. Maybe he ate them and just picked the bones clean. But the two were now safe behind a rock at the backside of the chamber entrance. When Luthien peeked out, the pond was still with no sign of the gigantic turtle. The danger was over for now. Luthien and Oliver continued deeper into the cave. <laughs> Traveling uh, being much, the traveling being much easier as the terrain was flatter and clear of rubble, rubble and stalagmites. M- stalagmites from the ground, obviously. The two were stopped in their tracks at the site that greeted them when they reached the entrance of the large dome-like chamber. So here's the passage from the book. Oliver stood as if stricken, Luthien too, as the torchlight reflected back at them from a pile of gold and silver gems and jewels beyond anything either of them had ever seen before. One mound of silver and gold was as high as two tall men, dotted with glittering crystals and precious artifacts, goblets and jeweled serving utensils, probably dwarvish made. As if in a trance, the two moved into the chamber. Let me say this. This scene, so obviously anybody that's seen... um, Aladdin? No, not Aladdin. Okay, that's, that's what a, I thought. That's a really that's a good comparison. Uh, not the Lord of the Rings, the one that comes before it, the Hobbit. Uh, when they're in Smog's chamber, Smog. and he's down, he's down under the mountain, and they got all the gold and stuff in there. That's what I was thinking of this whole time, and I'm like, God, this is such a cool scene. It's and I was thinking awesome. of like a a smaller, more compact chamber. Me too. And uh, <clears throat> this this is cool. I 
I remember when I was reading this, I think I texted you afterwards, said, Oh, dude, oh my God, chapter two. 10. Yeah. Yeah. Like I just read two chapters back to back and they were two of the best chapters I've ever read. And I'm just like, this part got me, dude. Yeah. Like I was like, this who is doesn't want to find themselves into a chamber yeah. of, where you look and you're right? like, I could take a handful of this and be set for life. Yeah. Or, you like, know, I, yeah, I got you. And I'm just like, this is how I want my fantasy writing yep. to sound like, like when I read this, it was just inspiring, man. It was so good. <laughs> Continuing on. Luthien scolded Oliver about stuffing his pockets with coins and jewels before they had even <laughs> found the staff. He just immediately just goes, dee, 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 dee. here's a coin for me and a coin for Threadbear and a coin for me. Yep. Luthien and none for Luthien. The halfling stuck his green gloved fingers in his ears and stuck out his tongue. A little comedic there. Luthien then noticed a large cloth sack that hadn't been there a moment ago atop one of the mounds of treasure. Checking for traps first... Luthien opened the sack and found a cape and weapon. Uh, I liked that uh, he before he opened the the large cloth sack, he took his weapon and poked it a little bit and then like prodded it. Go ahead. It continues to build on Luthien's smart. First of all, he has yeah, he's smart, but there's still a lack of knowledge of the world. So Luthien doesn't really feel comfortable. Yeah. And he doesn't really feel safe in this situation. And he's smart enough to know, okay, if there's something here that's valuable, there could be a trap. Yeah. And I love that about Luthien. It it endears him to the reader because you don't feel like your main character is a total dipshit, which is really nice. Um, can we talk about the one of the items in the bag or are we waiting? Uh uh, we can talk about it. I'm going to read the passage of what he found inside of it. And Go then ahead. We'll, then Go we'll ahead. talk. Sure. He, f- he found a beautiful crimson cape, richer in color, even than the dim torchlight, than anything, even in the dim torchlight, than anything the young bedwear had ever seen. With it was a rectangular piece of wood, two sticks side by side, curving at the ends in opposite directions. As soon as uh, he took the piece out and saw that it was hinged, Luthien recognized it as a bow. He unfolded it, aligned the pieces and found a pin hanging from the string from a string on it and settled that into the center notch and secured the weapon. A small compartment on one side concealed the bowstring of fine, strong gut. So here's the thing. Is that bow? Like, so he, can, it's a collapsible like, it, like, bow. It, it, it like collapses and then he can bring it out, set it up and he's ready to go. First of all, it's really cool. Let's talk about this Cape. Yes. This is what I took about the Cape. You may, I mean, you may or not may not want to discuss this right now, but I do because I want to confirm that I actually understand what it is. It's a it's a cloak of invisibility. Yes, it's the crimson the, cape. Because creatures this is X the first does not that, see him. And when you look at the, if you if you close your books and you look at the cover, what is Luthien wearing? He's got the red cape. Okay. Cool. We have finally yeah. got the red cape. the The series is called the Crimson Shadow. This cape yeah. is crimson red, like it's. So, yeah, it, it's cool because it's like, okay, is, is it we like, of it. is this going to turn into a, like a superhero, like the crimson shadow appeared, you know, like the, he, the shadow knows. Yeah. So <laughs> that's cool. Um, the collapsible bow. Love it. Little reminded me of like the guy, uh, the guy in the Marvel movies, um, Hawkeye. The, uh, yes. If we snaps his bow and it comes out, that's what it it's just of. like that. 
and yeah, it, it's collapsible. Yeah. You put it in your pack. No one can see it. And then all of a sudden, when? Yeah. Sorry for the sound effects. I'm just a little. No, dude. Hey, hey listen. This is what's so fun about a book like this, right? Is I'm 32. You're my age. We're taught, we're acting like, we're acting like kids. Giddy kids about this stuff, dude, because we used to play Dungeons and Dragons. We used to play Lord of the Rings. We used to do all that yep. stuff when we were kids and we can actually see this stuff even as adults. Well, another wonderful thing about reading it as an adult, if you have been a D and D player and you, your mind is more mechanically, um, set up where you're thinking about, okay, what are the right moves here? That's what makes like a really good story. And that's what makes some of these like horror movies hard to watch sometimes for me is because they do the things that you wouldn't do. Like I would not walk down that stair if I heard a chainsaw ripping, revving up. You know what I mean? Bro, let's split up. Yeah. So when he first sees his cloth sack, he does go up to it. We want to know what's in the cloth sack, but I I wouldn't just open that thing up. I would poke it with my sword too. And it's like, it's a thing of like, you can just imagine the, the dice rolls happening. Um, I need to check for traps. Roll your D20. Go ahead. So when I saw this scene, I'm a deer hunter. And anytime I shoot a deer, anytime I kill an animal, before I go to claim it, I tap it. Yep. I take my crossbow, I tap it. I take my rifle and I just tap it a little bit, make sure it's dead, make sure it's, you know, it's not going to, attack me not gonna hit me or yep stab me with a horn uh when i went hunting with my dad we'd always do the same thing we'd break we'd uh, on our way there we'd grab a big stick that we found and then we'd poke it a couple times make sure it's dead and then we'd start field dressing you know so yep um, so i just i connected right away with that scene really good scene and great writing yes so just as luthien equipped himself with the Cape, bow, and quiver containing a few arrows, one arrow having a metallic cylinder at the tip. Oliver called out to Luthien about finding the wizard's staff. He's like, found, are you talking about this wizard's staff? He found it, and he's like, Luthien, where where are you, dude? But he's just standing right on top of the coins, uh, on the Mm. coin mounds. But Luthien had put up his hood, by the way, his cowl. Mm -hmm. Seeing Luthien in his new garb and gear and having the staff, the halfling proclaimed, now I might... Now I might play because Luthien's like, let's find the staff first, then we can play, you know? Um, But Luthien came down, took his hood off, and then Oliver's like, oh, there you are. And began to skitter down to the floor, probably towards some... Yep. This is stuff I totally missed the first time. Luthien pushed back the cape's hood and rushed to a large mound as Oliver slid the oaken staff down inside. Ah, there you are. But if you had read this astutely... Yeah. You mean this very same wizard type staff? He heard Oliver shout out, drawing him from his contemplations. Uh, Luthien. Yeah, where Luthien are you? Luthien back the hood. Yeah. yeah. So they already, he's already telling you he's what invisible. this is through conversation. Yeah. I did not notice this the first time I read this. And you're this not is- really supposed to notice it. It's very subtle because that's it's how so good. But it, it's revealing to someone who's an astute reader or a rereader. This is one of those things that like, uh, a rereadability, like a replayability of a game or something like that, yeah, or a rewatchability yeah, of a movie. Yeah. This is one of those where if you reread this, this is a very nice payoff because you know what the cape's going to do. And yes. now you can see kind of how it works um, right away. And yeah, from Oliver's perspective, he doesn't know what's going on. Go ahead. And I think as readers, you and I both at this point had one other question. What is special about that metallic tipped arrow? 
I had assumed it was at that time, metallic tipped arrow. I'm like, okay, that's got some sort of powder in it. You know, playing too many video games. I'm like, this is like a gunpowder arrow. Yeah. I thought it would be that or like a magic, like sleeping or paralyzing arrow or something. I didn't think we'd get what we got, which is pretty cool. Oliver begins to skitter down to the floor, Mm -hmm. probably towards some valuables that he had mentally noted to return back to once they had retrieved Brenda Moore's staff. Hell yeah, cuz. He once again stopped in his tracks at the discovery of a small group of what appeared to be the shadows of men, holding their arms up in front of them defensively. On closer inspection, the man shadows were comprised entirely of ash. Uh, Dan, I got a question. Nonchalantly, you can ask the question just a second. Nonchalantly, Oliver turned to Luthien and started thinking out loud. You know, the halfling began, standing straight and looking back at Luthien, in Gascony, we have tales of treasures such as this. And every time they are accompanied by the great mound of silver and gold shifted suddenly and fell apart, coins rattling and bouncing to every part of the large chamber. Oliver and Luthien looked up into the slitted eyes of a very angry dragon. Yes, the halfling finished, pointing at the great beast. That is it. (laughs) Uh, Dan, we gotta have some dragons. We got a dragon, but that's and that's how and that's how the end. The chapter, which is my first point to bring up. Great cliffhanger ending of a chapter. Wonderful. That ending made me read the next chapter. I was legitimately going to be done there for the next session. Yep. Nope. Had to read the next chapter. In our earlier chapters, we had where Luthien and Oliver were on um, that uh, ferry crossing over at Diamond Gate. And it ends the chapter with, you know, what's going to happen? They're heading towards the cliff. That is yep. a that is a cliffhanger ending, or not a cliff, but the you know the jagged rocks. That is a cliffhanger Dude. ending. I continued reading. You did not. Is because it wasn't. Even though it's a compelling ending, it's a satis- satisfying ending, and you can go, okay, I'll put this down. I'll pick it up next time. This, however, is a cliffhanger ending that I'm sorry, I have to stay up a little bit later. We need to read this next chapter. We I, just I saw our first gra- dragon. I asked mom for. 15 more minutes before bedtime and Mom, she, she let me read another chapter. I need another she Mountain Dew. She let me have another Dr. Pepper and she yep. let me have a chapter. It was so good. Uh, so this chapter, this chapter isn't so much about world building as this chapter was about atmosphere. This chapter is a very atmosphere heavy chapter with, first of all, peril. Mm-hmm. Two new, two new creatures yep. that we're aware of, the uh, turtle, steam-breathing turtle and the slit-eyed dragon, which is really cool. It introduces us to some new weapon mechanics, a, some new equipment mechanics, and we are kind of teased a little bit that maybe Brenda Moore hasn't been totally honest with them. So the atmosphere here, there's a little sense of dread. Yeah, as soon as you see excitement. as soon as you see the dragon, you're like there are no cyclopians. There is no cyclopian king. This is a this is the end of the cave. It's a it's a completely dome-like structure. This is where it went. There is a pond and then there's this room. Like I mean there was corridors and stuff, but this is it. There is no this is the cyclopian king. You know, and he's not a Cyclopean, obviously. So this was very much like, why would the wizard say that? What I like about this chapter is it gives me everything I want out of a fantasy book. I'm diving, I'm, I'm uh, spelunking through caves. I'm going, I'm swinging across with ropes across lakes and shit. 
I'm um, getting new equipment, finding treasure, and guess what? We're about to face down a dragon. Like, it's got everything you want in fantasy. That's so good, dude. Okay, uh, one of my... I, I can't help it. One of the points to bring it. up. In so the beginning good. of the chapter, Luthien and Oliver, which we deduced this, but Luthien and Oliver find themselves in a strange cave that have copper ore melted into the walls. The pair guessed that it was caused... the uh, That the cause to might be magical fire uh, casted by Brenda Moore when he used to seal the cave. The pair, uh, or we discover later that there's a dragon, and that brings up an interesting scenario to my mind. Go ahead. I have a, I have a just question I want to ask really quick. Do it. Is it possible? I this Chapter 11 is the last chapter I've read. Is it possible that Brenda Moore is looking for the staff to make himself stronger and was never in that cave in the first place. Totally could be. Is it possible that he like he's just like another treasure hunting mage and he wants that staff to make himself stronger? I was just thinking about that. I, I never thought to think that. And that ties into my little my little, you know, Dan's mini side graphic novels. So we d- we later discover <laughs> a dragon and that brings an interesting scenario to mind that the cave entrance is melted, is so melted, maybe from a past attempt by Brindy to retrieve his staff mm. or the staff that he wants. And went and it went bad, and he had to make a daring escape through the portal as the dragons breathe and fire at him. Mm. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. he tries to get the staff, and the dragon's like, you thief, and, like, goes after him. And Brindy's going, oh, gosh, whoa, turtle, swinging across the lake, <laughs> surfing across the lake. And then, like... <laughs> The dragon's like, I'm going to get you, wizard. And then the breathes fire, melts the stone, and Brindy just gets through his tunnel of transportation. Boom. Woo. Yeah. You know, sure. brushes off the cinders off his cloak and stuff, and he's like, that was a close one. We need to start hiring some humans to get melted by this dragon. And here's the other six that failed. They're all dead. <laughs> yep. So, Fauna, real quickly, massive turtles in cave lakes. That's cool. Dragons hoarding treasure. That's cool. Um, flora. Flora. The moss. Moss is there. Moss is real. Uh, and also can, seaweed. Can I ask how it's growing underwater without sunlight? Heat. The bacteria mm. and stuff like that. Me like you. Maybe. Me like you. Um, let, we're only at 30 minutes. Let's just yeah. jump chapter into 11. 11. Chapter 11. The chapter is named, entitled Belthazar. The chapter begins with a description of the dragon. As it confronts what it believes to be a robber, singular, in its den of hoarded treasure. Your pockets bulge with my jewels, little thief. To Luthien's surprise, Oliver begins to discuss the situation with the dragon using flattery in an attempt to persuade his way out of the situation. So the dragon is just like saying, you got my treasure, dude. I see it in your pockets. But he's not talking to Luthien. Well, the beast went on, still looking at Oliver, as though it hadn't even yet noticed Luthien. This is part of the book, part of the chapter. Basically beating you over the head. Yep, the saying, he can't guys. see him. This cloak. Dog. The cloak is invisibility, okay? Uh, one thing I really liked is how he has the, because it's emphasizing how loud the dragon speaks. It it's all is, caps. Um, it's all caps. Yep. When the dragon Very speaks, dark. it's all caps. Luthien's super surprised that he can speak common tongue or the language of the land, um, yes. and he can understand it. Yes. Do you not wish to beg mighty Balthazar for your pitiful life? 
I only wish to stare at the magnificence before me, Oliver replied suddenly. I came in to find, I came in to find, so I thought only the treasure and the, the, and that was magnificent indeed. So very magnificent. And so he's basically just going, oh, this treasure is magnificent. I came here to see you, you know, um, and the the dragon, the dragon's buying it. He's he's buying, he's like, all right, go ahead, little thief. The dragon whips his head around and then uses dragon gaze, which is like a named move. Staring right at Luthien, uh, which causes Luthien to freeze in fear. He wants to scream. He wants to, like, jump, but he can't. This dragon's, like, lamplight eyes. It's, like, straight from The Hobbit, this, like, lamplight thing. Oh, I was going to say it's straight from it when uh, Pennywise, the, the, the demon version, opens its mouth in the light. The dead lights come out, and, like, you're just kind of entranced by it. So he does dragon gaze, which just freezes him in fear. Balthazar becomes suspicious and demands that Oliver reveal who is with him. Oliver lies and says that not a one is with him. He then offers to spread the legend of Balthazar if he only lets him leave with his life. And that's kind of cool, like, hey, man, I'll tell everybody about you, dude. Just let me live. The dragon doesn't buy it and begins to breathe in to blast Oliver with his fire breath. But Luthien, quick thinking, shoots the odd aerial with the metallic cylinder tip at Balthazar, which caused fireworks to explode in the dragon's face. So cool. Yep. This gave them the chance to run out of the chamber as Luthien scooped up Brindamore's oaken staff. They run right into the underground they run right into the underground lake chamber, which they had to run down corridors and stuff to get there. Uh, with Balthazar chasing them through the passage and just going do 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 thief. You know? Luthien grabs, Luthien grabs the halfling and the rope and attempts to swing over the, p- the pond. But the swing wasn't strong enough, and they end up short, hanging above the lake. I loved it. Because he's like, dun, 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 here we go. Come with me, Oliver. He grabs him, and then he does a running start, jumps, and then he starts swinging back. Oh, shit. Swings back a little bit more. Oh, God. The swing gets less strong. And they're just dangling there. And he's I like, just see it. I just see him just sitting there like, shit. <laughs> uh, Luthien takes the staff and tosses it to the bank, uh, to the other bank of the entrance. Then Brindamore shows up and retrieves the staff. And then they're just like, you lion sack of wizard poop. You could have done this without us. The pair assumed the pit. Well, we don't know that yet, but what is about to happen? Then we'll be like, dude, you could have totally done this. The pair assumed that the wizard would just take the staff and leave them to die. But then the wizard lets loose a couple of magic missiles that whiz past (laughs) Luthien and Oliver landing right into the dragon. It was awesome. Magic missile, magic missile. And then it's like right past them. Like they're just dangling there still, like going back and forth. It goes right past their heads, you know, maybe, you know, makes uh, Oliver's hat wiggle a little bit. I'm reading this and I'm just laughing my ass off the whole time. I was like, this is fun, you know? It was good writing. Balthazar then breathes a jet of white hot fire across the lake, but the wizard had cast a spell of protection to shield the pair from the worst of the flame. The dragon then starts into the lake and starts swimming across until he was directly under Luthien and Oliver, who were dangling from the rope. The rope, which now had transformed into a living serpent that was crawling towards the shore thanks to Brindamore's spell. 
because hmm. I, I kind of glanced over it real quickly. Like they're still hanging there. And then all of a sudden they were on the shore and I'm like, what happened? How did they get to the shore? And then it, it does say that the, the, the rope got transformed by Brenda Moore to start crawling towards the shore. And I, I thought that was kind of cool. So just yeah. as the dragon was about to devour the two and he's like, hello, little thief, thief and liar or something like that. The giant turtle. We got the giant turtle coming back. Giant Turtle attacks Balthazar and they start fighting as Luthien uh, and Oliver get to the shore and start running toward Brindamore's readied tunnel of teleportation. They all escape through the tunnel with a blast of Balthazar's fiery breath just at their backs. Justin, what is the symbology of a dragon well, fighting a turtle? I don't know if there's symbology behind it, but any movie I've ever seen, right? I watched this movie called Dragon Wars one time and it's always a dragon fighting a turtle oh really i don't don't know why because i guess godzilla i i don't know because turtles are they have like that strong mouth yes like you feel like a turtle could match a dragon power wise i just feel like a turtle just straight up Mm. i look like one any hizzle you know they're strong you know they're powerful and it's like what what is gonna stop this dragon and as soon as it was under them about to grab him i'm like turtles coming turtles coming that steam breath coming dog it was so cool water versus fire water always wins not in this case they just kind of live in the same cave system yeah Um, i don't understand that but all right and even oliver brings up the turtle and he's like when i first came here he like he he was like explaining to the dragon like I thought the turtle was you. And so I wasn't that impressed, but now I can see you are magnificent and starts dropping the jewels and stuff like that. So they really, what do they get out of this? They they really don't get a whole lot as far as we can tell, you know, that like, I mean, Luthien did get a sweet bow. He got sweet quiver. He got the Cape, um, couple arrows. Uh, that's, that's awesome enough. Um, Oliver, you know, he's got some coins in his pocket, even though he was like taking out jewels and stuff, but yeah, I don't need those stuff. So points to bring up Luthien's gear. The Cape seems to have invisibility powers when the hood is pulled up. And that was, uh, illustrated in chapter 10 when he puts the hood up and Oliver's like, you mean this wizard staff? And then like, looks back and is like Luthien and he can't see him. And then he pulls down the hood and then he can see him again. Yeah. And the bow is sweet being collapsible. We discussed that. Um, special people, Balthazar. He's a dragon. He speaks the language of the land. The great worm slowly uncoiled. Uh, was it a hundred feet long and rose up on its forelegs, towering over poor Oliver. Its yellow green eyes shone like beacons burning with inner fire and its scales reddish gold in hue and flecked with many coins and gemstones which had been become embodied or embedded during the beast's long sleep were as solid as a wall of iron its claws appeared as though they could rend the stone its abundant teeth gleamed like ivory as long as luthien's sword and its horn could skewer three men in a line luthien had heard tales of dragon's fiery breath he knew that what had melted the ore in the walls near where he and Oliver had entered and knew too that it wasn't the turtle that had destroyed those stalagmites. The dragon had been there 400 years ago and had taken out its frustration on being imprisoned. So that's uh, Balthazar, young Belthy, 400 years stuck in this cave, 
with all this treasure. So uh, let's go back to uh, your thoughts on why the wizard or why do we think the wizard needed them to get the staff? And I really liked your thought on that. The staff was there and he just couldn't get it because um, he couldn't beat that dragon alone. Maybe he's tried before and he's failed. Yeah. And um, have you read any of the other chapters yet? Nope. This is the last chapter I read. So after this, we get we get to talking. Uh, the next uh, the next chapter is called uh, Chapter 12, Tales from Better Days. And we, we end up talking with the wizard, and he explains some things about what happened, some weird things that occurred in the cave. And one of the things that they explain is uh, Luthien, like, brings up, yeah, I just saw this sack and I grabbed it. And it's revealed that Bel- or, um, that Brindamore actually left the sack there for them or for Luthien. But he did it while he was in the cave. Meaning when the portal in the beginning in chapter 10, when they when the portal closes and they think that Brindamore has abandoned them, he actually went in there with them invisibly. You you walking with me on this one? I'm trying. So what does that mean? He couldn't do it alone, but he could do it with a group. And then he also didn't want them to. And that's the reason why he was lying this whole time, probably. And we'll get into it in the next chapters. But um, he wanted them to know as little as possible so that, you know, and he probably thought, hey, if these guys die and they make the dragon look one way, I'll take that staff and get out of here, bruh. You know, but whatever. So I think that's cool. Anyway. That uh, that concludes our two chapters pretty quick. I don't have any questions for Bob uh, this week. He They were pretty straightforward. My question for Bob is how did you make this sound so good? Mm. And I think I think the honest answer to that question is the New York Giants and a and a flag and a beer. Yeah. Well, it's a combination of, first of all, a really atmospheric chapter beforehand, some very heavy fantasy elements with the cape and the bow, and then, of course, the introduction of two brand new creatures, the steam-breathing turtle and the dragon, at the end of the chapter and into chapter 11, to really keep things at a fast, fun pace, to keep you interested, and to make it impossible for you to put it down. That's what he did so well in these two chapters. And I just, I can't stress that enough, man. Chapter 10 and 11, by far the two best chapters so far. In the yeah, it's it's like really, it just keeps getting better. It really takes off. And, and I really like the the pacing that Bob has set here. You start off with kind of like, the, the story starts off with kind of like a political-ish story that's a little, a little on the slow side, but begins with uh, a, a guy who's got to leave his home, mm-hmm. abandon his family, and hit the road. He's going to go find his brother. He ends up running into a highway halfling, which is weird. Like, okay, now we're diverted a little bit, but you know what? I'll take it as I can get it. And now we're like, we're we're gotta we gotta go, we gotta get away from here. We're gonna go through McDonald's Swath, through the mountains, and then to the other side. We're gonna make our way down to meet Brother Ethan. And then get attacked by Cyclopeans again, and then get saved by a wizard. And now we're in a wizard's cave, and then we go into uh, an adventure for the wizard. So that they can get into Montfort, and the 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 cave contains a turtle and a dragon, which the wizard did not let us know about. And we got some equipment, and it's like, it just it just seemed like it went from like sixth gear to freaking tenth gear. You know what I mean? Like it just ramped up, and it's cool because it makes you feel like okay, if we can go from something that seemed pretty tame, where we're establishing the characters, we're understanding how the regular world goes, 
Now let's throw in the fantasy. And I really like that. If the whole story had just been, uh, you know, traveling highwaymen, that would have been fun. He would have done a very good story. But adding yep. these fantasy elements so early on and kind of out of the blue makes you believe that really anything can happen in this world and also establishes that it's not normal. You know, this is not a normal situation that has occurred. This is a special thing. Um, so I really enjoyed how it was. It, it made it seem special, even though we know what we're going to read. It kind of surprised me. So that's going to do it for uh, chapter 10 and chapter 11. And I didn't even change the, the title here, the chapter 11 on top, but we're just going to keep it at chapter 10 for the whole episode. But uh, thank you very much for joining me, Justin. Yeah, uh, Dan, first of all, super happy to be here doing this podcast with you is an honor like like we talked about earlier right so there were these little hints about the cape being an ability cape that i didn't even catch the first time through so that's my point about this podcast right it's a really cool chance to go deep with you on some of this stuff and that's what i hope some of the listeners are taking out of this is just a really cool deep dive discussion about our experience with this book uh thank you for having me dan i'm always happy to be a part of the podcast and obviously Anytime you need me for anything, you just let me know. Of course. Guys, make sure you check out some of Justin's stuff. We got it in the, the links in the description below that lead to his Amazon page. He's got a couple books out there that are pretty sweet. Uh, you can check us out on iTunes, Spotify, everything that you listen to podcasts on, or check us out on YouTube. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of Random Book Club Podcast.